I understand how the engines work now. It came to me in a dream. The engines don't move the ship at all. The ship stays where it is, and the engines move the universe around it. That's a complete load. Nothing's a complete load. Not if you can imagine it. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. This is Back to the Futurama, your podcast voyage through one of the greatest TV shows Fox ever canceled. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. And today we're talking about season two, episode 11, A Clone of My Own. Would you like a clone of your own? I will pass on that. Thank you. Okay. But thanks for offering. It's a, I mean, you know, I, it's the least I can do to offer it to you. Because I have that technology? Starting off with a banger. All right. Uh, super good. Uh, so we go directly into Planet Express. The professor tells everybody that the university is bringing him up on disciplinary charges. It's good news, everyone. This Wait, isn't good news at all. that's not good news at all. <laughs> <laughs> he does imply that he's trying to put Hitler's brain in the body of a great white shark, which doesn't seem great. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. I would also not recommend it. In fact, I do the opposite of recommending it. I would say you don't do it actually that's not never mind you know what i'm getting at i'd condemn it is the thing that's what okay that's the word i was looking for i found it this time though i'm proud of myself (laughs) it only took like 20 minutes (laughs) okay now hold on you did not edit 20 minutes of here out of this this here podcast me figuring out the word condemn now it is it is definitely i have in this podcast history i have made some mess ups with words but not this time I did okay. Uh, yeah, they fly to Mars University, uh, so we're returning back to Mars University. Excellent. Well, um, we it, it's been established that the professor works there, so mm-hmm. makes sense. Well, and I, I like how we've hit the point in Futurama where we're, we're kind of returning to a lot of old places. We're starting to see a lot of repeat characters from other episodes that were, up until recently, sort of one-off characters. Sure. Like, like, not to ruin a surprise, but we could see Dean Vernon again. I mean, there's not much of a surprise. They land on Mars. They go to this disciplinary hearing, and Dean Vernon's there, uh, doing leading this, it. leading this, yeah. this disciplinary hearing. But yeah, so we we get to see Mars University again. It really, to me, it like kind of makes the world feel more real. Like before, it's like, oh, look, we're on Mars. There's a silly character you'll never see again. But now, look at him. We've seen him again. We're in Mars again. Right, like up until this point, it's the Planet Express crew, Zap Brannigan, and Mayor Poopenmeyer, and that's about it. <laughs> Mayor Poopenmeyer, never not funny. Um, so at this disciplinary hearing, uh, the professor uh, is, is, you know, he's 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 not going to go down without a fight, and he's going to take everybody down with him. Uh, he says that Dean Vernon was he was the one that was driving his hover car that night, not his horse. <laughs> Very important. And changes a little bit about uh, Dean Vernon's story, I believe. A little bit. Um, Then Dean Epsilon, uh, he knows about Dean Epsilon's Department of Pool Boy Studies. Which Dean Epsilon looks really concerned uh, when this is brought up. I I think he should be. It's a bad idea. Uh, And then he goes after Wernstrom because... Wernstrom. Wernstrom. 
So the lights come up, or Dean Vernon's like, now hold on, it's a birthday party. And the lights come up and all of his, all of the crew is there and all of the different faculty is there. And then he continues to his attack on Coach Smalley for being Coach Hairpiece. He's yeah. not going to stop no, for he's no just, one. He's he's on a roll with this uh, little tirade against the faculty at Mars University, and he ain't stopping. Well, he thinks they're about to take him down, even though he knows now it's a birthday party. Unless they're doing the double zag. Like, haha, you thought it was a birthday party, but it's really a disciplinary committee. It was the whole time. Exactly. Like a a, a three-way mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then it... it this birthday party turns into like a, a roast sure. uh, with Bender hosting, of course, because if I ever get a roast, I want Bender to host it. I can see He'd be the best. He would be. A, well, I, I worry that his roast would be a bit too mean. No, bring it on. I want that. Okay. When we do the bin, the bin, the roast of bin, I look forward to seeing Bender there. I do want to point out that this birthday is is a his 150th birthday. Oh yes, professor. that is actually very relevant. It's very very relevant. It's a surprise party for his 150th birthday. Um, so it turns into a roast, like Ben said. Uh, Zoidberg goes up and mostly bombs. Well, I would like to point out that Bender says that you can judge a man by the company he keeps. So here's his best and oldest friend, a grotesque stinking lobster. It's look, it's not wrong. You can, you can definitely judge a man by the 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 company he keeps and and look at the crew. But yeah, I get apparently mostly Zoidberg. I don't know about that. Zoidberg does bomb, and uh, I like his comment of, "Oh, it's the Apollo Theater all over again." <laughs> it's it's it. I want I, I I just want in this moment right now to think about Zoidberg doing a set of the Apollo Theater. Oh, that's bad. But also enjoyable in that kind of schadenfreude way. Then they bring up uh, the only surviving crew member uh, from one of his previous crews, <laughs> uh, Captain Muskie. And he, he comes in on one of those, uh, I guess it's from Star Trek. I think so. Um, like, again, we're not Trekkies. Yeah. Um, it's this kind of like weird, like almost like the person's in a coma, kind of. Mm-hmm. But it has it has some kind of way of propelling itself. It's like black, and it covers him completely. And mm-hmm. then there's like a little red light. Now I I know the Trekkies are going to come. Just tweet at us back to Futurama. Just tell us what it is. Tell us what episode. Sure. Um. But he he goes up to the the microphone and beeps once, and everyone is reduced to incredible laughter. Zoidberg is just like I wouldn't want to follow that guy. <laughs> oh, Zoidberg. One of my favorite. Just random throwaway bits is that mm-hmm. Bender gets up and he says, and now a man who needs no introduction and then just sits back down and nobody stands up because nobody knows what's going on. Sure. Uh, I think about that every time somebody says that somebody doesn't need an introduction because my brain is wired to think in Futurama quotes. I think at this point we we all understand that, Ben, because we, we do this podcast. Anyway, it's um, true. On an aside, because I I teased this one time and I never actually brought it up. <laughs> oh, it's the payoff. The there was I mentioned about the the game that my friend and I accidentally invented, <laughs> where it was a friend of mine who uh, we both really loved Futurama quotes, and so we just started texting each other random Futurama quotes all the time, and then okay. somehow this turned into this game where if I sent her a Futurama quote she would have to re- uh, return 
that text with another Futurama quote, but it had to be from the same episode. Ooh. So it required this knowledge of like all these different Futurama quotes and what episode they came from. And we had an ongoing score for a while uh, that was for the most part pretty tied. Uh, Impressive. And um, yeah, it's a dumb, dumb game that you can all play with your friends and lose all your friends because they get tired of getting Futurama quotes from you and then get new and better friends. Get new and better friends because they they love Futurama like you do. I see. I'm with you on this. Anyway, I, I love that game. That's fantastic. It's such a dumb, You'd weird beat the game. Crap out of me in that game. And we we accidentally invented it just because we were like, oh hey, here's a funny quote. I wonder what you'd call that game. Ooh, that's a good question. We haven't. I assume you haven't named it. No, it's never been named because it was one that was accidentally invented, and we never introduced this out. This is this is the world premiere of this game right here on this sure. podcast because up until this point it was just the two of us playing this game so it has no name i mean um, don't don't get me wrong accidental sports get names all the time i mean t- think about golf no thanks okay acceptable but my point is we need to come up with a name for this or else somebody else out there is gonna i mean if you've got a name actually that's true us, yeah let us know tweet at us back to futurama with with the hashtag weird bins weird game uh, that's also a Benji from his own <laughs> corner right there. Oh, that's good. Anyways, uh, it turns out, uh, b- back to the episode, oh, yes. it turns out the man who needs no introduction is Fry. Sure. Which um, I don't know how he was supposed to figure that one out. Uh, Fry gets up and says he was supposed to make this, um, video, uh, biography of the, of the mm-hmm. professor's life. And then he asked, why should I? And then later Leela did it. But if Fry did, you'd bet there'd be more topless women on, women on motorcycles. It's true. I imagine that's his motif. I do appreciate when it cuts to the video for the first time, it says living obituary. It's very accurate. I also noticed, um, just by pure coincidence, the uh, uh, video obituary, um, this video. Sure. Leela is narrating it, and she notes that he was born on April 9th, 2851, we uh, like this week like we couldn't have timed this better if we meant to it's a pretty so good happy one. uh pre-birthday professor uh, happy ne- hap- happy happy negative 837th birthday or something like that that was some quick math well done it's wrong that was some quick wrong math well I, done i approximate it uh, if i'm anywhere close i'm pretty happy about it we get a great little just a quick overview of the of the professor's life and he 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 grew up in new new york's nerdiest slum hell's laboratory my favorite bit is that he's wearing a in one shot he's wearing a dungeon master Mm -hmm. t-shirt with like a wand and fry's like dork alert and um you know also uh you know, I play Dungeons and Dragons, so you know, just uh, I always thought that was kind of okay. Funny. Yeah, just a, just a humble brag. Ben Ben plays Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> the humblest no, of brags. There is no bragging involved when you say <laughs> I play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> oh yeah, this this weekend, me and my bros, we're just gonna <laughs> play Dungeons and Dragons. You wouldn't be interested. There's there's so many swords and kick ass things. You wouldn't be excited. What's up? I'm gonna go drink some beers with my buds. Play Dungeons and roll some dice. Roll that dice and attack that gerblin with my sword. <laughs> Oops, it was a critical miss. D- I hit myself in the leg. D20s for days. Anyway, I only roll 20s. So. 
This has been your weird D&D joke podcast. This is probably the last episode of this show you're ever going to listen to, so we better make the rest of it pretty good. Anyway. So, the professor has learned... (laughs) What just happened? Um, The professor has learned to read uh, while still in diapers at age eight. And then he blossomed into a greasy teenager, as we all do. Unfortunately. I also really like the line where Leela says that uh, he he became a, a successful scientist and fast cars, trendy night spots, beautiful women. The professor designed all of these things. <laughs> he, he designed them all. And it, when, it, when she says that, it cuts to him, a picture of him, like with a <laughs> chalkboard that has like designs for all three things, which is just, just beautiful perfect yeah i mean there's a lot of details about his 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 life um one of my favorite things is that after he worked for moms for 50 years designing the first robot capable of qualifying for a boat loan it's an important step in mankind's history it's a very specific step in mankind's history (laughs) very specific boat loan very important like you said there are a lot of little details here and there um but the the point of this is that just they kind of sum his life up in this little three-minute film. Mm-hmm. Professor is pretty, pretty like you know. He's bummed out about yeah, it. I mean, what, what if they made a three-minute film when you were, you know, when we're eighty or whatever, and it's like just like pop, 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 like that would suck. I, I get it. I'm with in him. 2017. Ben hosted a dumb podcast about Futurama, and it's a picture of us just like sitting in front of our microphone. Is it I'm happening gonna, now? I'm gonna take a picture. Oh my of this, god! This moment, yes. right here. One dumb moment. Oh no, I hit the wrong button. Oh no, Ben doesn't Let's know how to use a camera. Again. Woo. All right, so that'll go in the, the uh, documentary. <laughs> it might also go on our Twitter feed within 20 minutes. The closest thing to a documentary I'm ever <laughs> going to get. Well, ho- now, ho- well, hold on a minute here. There's there's an interesting thought there. Twitter obituaries. No thanks, no, moving think on. About, think Mo- about that. In 50 years, they might actually do this. Oh, moving on. Um, They'll see all, all of our dumb tweets. Our, our children, our children's children. If my children ever see my tweets, I apologize to all my children right now. Anyways, <laughs> the professor is very sad because of his whole life is summed up by this three-minute film, and mm-hmm. he feels like he hasn't really accomplished a whole lot with his 150 years. Yeah, uh, and it turns out that when you turn 160, robots from the Sunset Squad take you to a mysterious planet, and you never return. Well, we learn this because Leela says, oh, Professor, you've still got 10 more years. And Fry's like, no, like you've still got another 100 years and and winks. And he leans into it like, oh, yeah, he could live forever. But yeah, then Leela fills us in Mm -hmm. with that little bit of info where they just ship old people off at 160. Mm -hmm. Uh, the professor kind of laments his all of his inve- inventions half invented, uh, including the time machine. If only it worked, he could go back in time and not have wasted his time with it. I really, first off, there there are a couple of really good things there. Zoidberg is a, a incredibly pitch perfect perfect in that joke, mm-hmm. and also Hermes' reaction to that joke is just like, "Are you serious <laughs> right now?" Like he like his face just crumples on it are you are you really it's very good since the professor is so worried that his inventions and his legacy won't be carried on after he's gone he decides to name a successor to take over his work research a a successor for the professor 
Yes. <laughs> Successor for the professor. Um, I can tell what Ben's favorite part of that was. Mine is the fact that he has he needs somebody to take over his work, research, and his fabulous fortune. Right. So, of course, everybody wants in on this. Mm-hmm. We have little indication of this fortune, by the way. I don't think we... He's got a successful company, sure. That doesn't mean questionable. A, a questionable successful company, yes. Yeah, everybody is um, talking about how the professor is going to name this successor and get all of his money and, you know, I guess the inventions and whatever. Yeah, but mostly but the no, money. No one's going to really want a half-created smell scope or universal translator. They all have their own theories on how the professor would best pick this successor sure the only one i really care about is hermes because he suggests a limbo competition (laughs) kingston Kingston rules rules. yes two men go down one comes up and then he literally limbos under the gap between uh the floor and the oven oven and then leela puts a trash can in front of him in front of it so he can't get out and just the visual of him like limboing under the (laughs) oven Gets me every single time. Again, I can't stress how much I really enjoy Leela just like blocking his way out and just like, no, Hermes, you're in there for a while. The professor is in the lab building his successor naming machine. And Fry tells everybody that he's the successor because blood is thicker than water. To which Zoyberg (laughs) says, oh, uh, he starts writing down in his notebook, blood, thicker water. They eventually go into his lab because he's got an announcement to make. And it's a very dramatic announcement. So anybody who is, or anybody with a weak heart should leave now. So long. And he just starts walking out. And they're Um, like, um, professor. But the, it turns out that rather than having successfully built a successor naming machine, he just remembers that he had grown his clone, Mm -hmm. uh, from a, uh, some a skin cell that was on a shapely growth on his back and it's been growing for 12 years so he's got this like 12 year old clone slash son that is in a like tube mm-hmm. just a big tube full of like water yep. or and his name is cubert and he's the su- professor's successor they they drain the clone tank because it's of course filled with some i'm sure mm-hmm. some kind of like water like nutrient water or something and he everybody kind of gasps and he asks what have you never seen a genius's wiener before and everybody's like no 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 and fry's like oh well once in the park i have so many questions i do not want to ask then let's just move on and pretend we didn't uh ask i mean no need to pretend um, so Kubert kind of like does his once over on the crew, finds them all kind of lacking because the captain doesn't have depth perception. Um, he asks why they even need a bending unit and asks if Zoidberg even has a doctor or a medical degree, <laughs> which Zoidberg says, I lost it in, in a, a volcano. volcano. Uh, yeah, which is a great story. <laughs> it's, it's a very good, uh, thing, but yeah, Kubert is just not impressed with the crew and he's just belittling them for any reason that he can he's 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 not impressed period i don't think it just is the crew because well because yeah then i mean you're you skipped uh to to the point i was going to make next where the the professor it forward the professor brings him into the lab and shows him his inventions like the smelloscope 
which makes its return again, mm-hmm. and also a uh, universal translator that unfortunately can only translate speech into some uncomprehensible dead language. Qbert uh, says hello into it, and it responds, Bonjour. That's my, I don't have a French accent. Sorry, I apologize. No, it's, either way, it's great. I love Bonjour. Bonjour. So yeah, he's just, he's not impressed. Not really, no. Um, the professor is like, okay, well, I'll, I'll show you something that's really great. And he shows him how the, the engines on the Planet Express ship work, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, these engines allow travel between galaxies in mere hours. Much faster than the speed of light. Which is impossible. And then the professor points out that they that's why scientists increased the speed of light in 20, uh, 2208. Also impossible. Also impossible. And uh, we also find out that the professor can't really explain how the engines mm-hmm. work because it came to him in a dream and then he forgot it in another dream. It's true. Uh, his engines also include an afterburner that deliver 200% fuel efficiency, which is even more impossible. But nothing's impossible as long as you can imagine it, which is what the professor says. Mm-hmm. And Cubert uh, says it's weapons-grade balonium. <laughs> It's so dumb. It's so good. Yeah. Later on, they're all at dinner at Elzar's. Mm-hmm. And Bender sees Elzar. And he gets very fanboyish, like he always does. As he always does. Um, I That's literally, pretty much all that, yeah. My, my entire note for that is, Bender kisses Elzar's ass. It's accurate. He even gets called an ass-kissing robot. The professor's still trying to push this life of invention and science on Qbert. And Qbert says that he may be identical in every possible way, but it doesn't mean that they're anything alike. <laughs> uh, for a genius, <laughs> he doesn't know the word identical. Uh, he also says that he wants to be something useful, like a teacher's aide, or a prison guard, or a science fiction cartoon writer. I, I really appreciate the the meta fourth wall break here. Oh, me too. Very good. And then my next, my very next note is just the professor is sad. <laughs> It's true, though. I'm a master note taker. Very, very much so. Um, but he, I mean, it's sad. Like, if you build a, you know, especially for somebody that is so much like you, as if they are their clone or is your clone, and you build this world that you want them to live in and they reject it, it's, you know, even then, it's kind of like, that sucks. I, yeah, I can get it. Absolutely. Then it cuts to Planet Express, where the professor is leaving a goodbye note on videotape. Hmm. Which he reveals his deep, dark secret <gasps> that he's actually 160, not 150. No. Oh, vanity, curse thee, or whatever he says. <laughs> Thy name is a Professor Farnsworth. Yeah. Because I can uh, think of nobody else more vain in the Planet Express crew. Yes. Uh, he also mentions that he... I'm talking about Zoeberg, of course. He has alerted the Sunset Squad, who will be there momentarily to pick him up. He finishes taping this video, leaves it in an envelope, and then like this uh, robot hearse shows up, mm-hmm. like a robotic hover hearse shows up at the window. The coolest w- set of words ever spoken. I'm going to name a band Robotic Hover Hearse. I'm in. What's our first album? I got nothing. Deathbot. Deathbot 2. No, yeah, because then we can do, do Deathbot 2.0 afterwards. Yes. Yes. Okay. With, okay. Okay. So that's our album name. 
I won't ask for a single off that album. Whew, good. Unless you want to. No, that's okay. fine. I got I got nothing. Well, I mean, I could just take it from this episode and say near Death Star. That's not bad for something. Anyway. Okay. Uh, so they come and collect him. Um, he starts saying, goodbye, cruel world. Goodbye, cruel lamp. Goodbye, cruel velvet drapes uh, lined with some sort of cruel muslin and um just everything is very cruel uh-huh and then then the the robot kind of picks him up and accidentally slams him against the door or maybe not accidentally. i'm gonna say purposefully <laughs> because he will just not let him mm-hmm. uh take him because he has to be like he has to say goodbye to everything that's cruel in the house which is everything yeah literally everything and so he kind of knocks him out and drags him into the robot hearse hover hearse later on the crew finds this tape and they're watching it which is now sort of a rather than like a a videotape it's more like a star wars style hologram sure they're all watching this and they are all pretty upset except for bender who um says oh well life goes on except for you and And then then professor says i'm sure bender just said a very cutting remark but it's on the jokes on him. I taped over his soap operas for this. The whole crew doesn't really want to just let this go, so they decide to try to find the professor. Leela starts tracking him down with the smelloscope. There you go. The some of the smells that she finds in the search for the professor: Ben Gay, mothballs, and letters to the editor. <laughs> I wonder. Can I get a candle that smell like letters to the editor? I want a candle of letters to the editor. Well, hold on. Let's think about this for a minute. What if you just burn letters to the editor? Do they? That doesn't smell like letters That's to the editor. That's a fire hazard, though. I mean, if in a house, yes. It says it says in my lease, I'm not allowed to burn letters to the editor. I'm not asking you to do it in here. We've got mini parks. That's also bad. That's a bad idea. Sorry. Let's just get the candle. Let's get okay. But but okay. So we have to a figure out the smell and how to you create a candle with that smell. And then and then procure the ingredients to make the candle, don't we? I mean, it's doable. I've got a candle that is for real gray flannel. That's the candle. It's a gray gray flannel scented candle. Okay, I have additional questions. <laughs> Does gray flannel smell different than like red or green flannel? I can get the candle. Do you want to smell this candle? I kind of do. Okay, all right. Doing this right now, live on the air. Live on the air. I'm go- I'm going to give you my thoughts of this gray flannel uh, candle, and it's going to be weird. But just come with me on this. Here it is. He's he's got it. It definitely does say gray flannel. Uh, interesting. Interesting. You know, I'm I can't even joke about this. That actually <laughs> smells pretty. Well. Yeah, hold. On. I'm just going to go in for another tip. I- I'm actually quite impressed. I'm actually, that's very, it's it's gray flannel, but there's also a, a nice spice to it. Yeah, so. There's a very good spice to it, and I very much enjoy that. So, I mean, that's that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, if we, if I can get a gray flannel candle, we <laughs> can get letters to the editor candle. I like it. Okay. All right, I'm in. Let's do this. Make this happen. Okay. Le- tweet at us, at Back to Futurama, if you also want a letters to the editor candle, and we'll We'll note it. Wow. Okay. Let's <laughs> get on track again. Um, yes, yeah, so they, they managed to find the location of 
where they took the professor mm-hmm. because up until this point, no one's been able to find them. But with the smelloscope, which is a one of a kind invention that only the professor has, they can track it down by scent. Mm-hmm. And they find what they 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 term, and probably is a a known term, the near death star. Which I mean, it is a big circular, like metallic looking thing. I mean, yeah, it's a it pretty has appropriate. Spikes on it. It's kind of intense. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Uh, they they land and they hatch a plan to get into the near death star. Um, Fry is to dress up like the professor with a hump of Hubert, and to get past the DNA testing, they will just take a lot of tissue out of Hubert because mm-hmm, it's identical DNA. Exactly, which Hubert conveniently forgets up until Bender pulls out a big syringe to to a get com- some of that. A comically sized, comically syringe. syringe comically sized syringe to get that good dna that good good dna they walk up to the guards one they're like two robots one of which has like a uh gate like one of those the uh, like a uh a gate arm yeah he's got a big gate arm for an arm and they're like hey who are you who is this and they say oh this is hubert farnsworth he escaped and they're surprised because nobody escapes and then there are a couple of guards behind them that instantly snap onto this situation because like who would escape they say we can always you know double check by getting a dna sample and then bender pulls out a big jar just labeled like dna yeah and it's sloshing around and and it's it's a big jar it's a big jar and one of the robots says we just need a cell and Hubert makes a noise as as the hump uh hiding under this lab coat because he's obviously and understandably pretty upset about that sure and then the guards like oh what was that and fry comes up with the fact that he has talking hump syndrome and i like that the guards are just like ah ths like it's just (laughs) it's a well-established thing talking hump syndrome i really do appreciate though what bender reacts how he responds to they just needed a cell of the dna bender says keep the change (laughs) and i there's a lot happening there. I here keep this chain the, the rest of this fluid. Enjoy. No, thank you. I'll pass <laughs> on that. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Here's this biohazardous fluid. Enjoy. Uh they walk into the facility and we see this big mechanical uh uh assembly line almost sure but it it is just processing all these old people that are being brought in yeah cleaning them up it, getting it dressed strips them naked puts them in a bath and and which is more just like a like a cocktail an, shaker yeah a cocktail shaper with soapy water and then it puts them in a, a comfy robe and into a rocking chair and they're just good to go i'll allow this that actually sounds like a pretty right? good way. Like, See, like I have a hard time saying no to that. I want to get home and just like have that happen. To have, me. Yeah, just mm-hmm. be like, bam, naked, bath, comfy robe. Here you go. You're set. Like that's that's the end of my day every day. That would be awesome. I would agree. It would make things harder when your friends are like, hey, come to the the pizza joint. Hey, come to the bar. I'm already in my pajamas. Maybe that would be a good catchphrase, finally, if we all just went home and got immediately put into our pajamas by robots. That would be the only way that's a good, a good catchphrase. B- 
but I appreciate the fact that you're trying to make it happen. They also start walking through this big facility, and it's like these big, giant towers that are sort of shaped like tombstones. A little bit, yeah. Like really tall tombstones, because they've got a kind of a rounded edge on the top. And they're they're full. It's it's almost like either a file cabinet or just like the way a morgue works, yeah. where everybody's in a drawer. They do manage to find the professor, and... They open up the drawer and he's hooked up to like this machine, mm-hmm. just like wires everywhere. Yeah, life support. Yeah, but there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Leela points out that that she has to take him out of this very carefully, or else the shock may kill him. And then they're discovered by one of the floating robot guards. And then she just yanks him off of that thing because he yeah, is fine. Whatever, let's yeah, go. Yeah. And they just blast out of there. This this results in a pretty cool looking space flight thing sequence that was pretty good to watch. It honestly reminds me a lot of the Death Star trench run in A New Hope. Okay. Just because you're flying through this like really narrow corridor and you know you're you've got enemies behind you shooting at you and like it was it was a little reminiscent to it, me. It reminds me a little bit more of the the one in Return Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I mean when they when they it, get toward the end because there's like you're mm-hmm. having to avoid like there sure there's it was kind a of a mix, machine it was yeah, a kind of mix of both sure for sure but well, I mean, it was a good chase scene I mean we're in the near death star they kind of have to do some Star Wars stuff right but it's a good chase scene regardless um, they are able to get 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 out of the, that area and back into the the loading area that they came in and fold the guards they blast the arm off of this the the gate arm robot and just. Oh, he's just so sad. He, he wiggles he it back looks, and forth. He looks so sad, and he just kind of raises it and lowers it a little bit, and he's just, he's a very sad robot. I mean, think about all the money that's going to have to go into fixing that robot. It's probably a lot of money. It's probably a lot of money. And he's just a sad robot now. He's just trying to do his job. It doesn't look like they're going to be able to escape, but then they manage to get out as this door is closing, mm-hmm. and in the process, um, because Cubert is still the hump. The hump. Uh, he gets hit in the head by the door and just passes out a- sure. after saying he he told them because you know he was saying he, they wouldn't fit because Cubert because Cubert is kind of a prick. I mean, I was going to leave it at because Cubert, but you're right. They get onto the ship and they're they're trying to slam on the brake the, the brakes slam on the gas and get going. Um, but then the floating robots catch up and shoot into the into the engines and blow them out. Mm-hmm. And they can't go anywhere. And the only person who knows how to fix them is the professor, but he is still out cold from being in this machine. So they start trying to wake him up by slapping him and dumping cold water on him and shocking him. <laughs> Which they do by uh, Bender says things like... Um, uh, things cost more than they used to. Young people use curse words. <laughs> it's 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 very good to me. I I love it very much. They they they're unable to. Well, there's there's also one of my favorite lines of Futurama of all time, where Fry is is begging Leela to fix it. And he's just like, fix it, 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 fix it. The pause really makes that. I really do love that too. Uh huh. It's it's another. It's maybe one of my favorite Futurama lines of all time, uh, and I. It's one of those ones that's hard to use in conversation because it's just you shouting "fix it" at somebody. I will argue that it is easy to use at work all the time. 
You just have to deploy it in strategic ways. They can't, they're having trouble waking the professor up, but Kubert comes too, and he understands everything. Mm-hmm. He's like, Eureka. And then um, he, because the, the way the engines work came to him in a dream that he just now had. Look at that. And um, it turns out that the way that the ship moves faster than the speed of light is that the engines don't move the ship. The engines move the world around the ship, which somebody points out is impossible. And he's like, well, he, he whoever I think it was uh, Bender saying that's a load. Nothing's a load. Not as long as you can imagine it. <laughs> Nothing's a load. <laughs> I just love the response to that. It's so good. And yeah, so he he digs into the the engine guts and fixes it, and they take off. And they escape. Back at Planet Express, the professor, enough time has passed that the professor is fully recovered. And Hubert delivers his first good news, everyone. It's very good. He he definitely tries to do in a in a Professor Farnsworth sort of voice, which sure. I appreciate. Yeah, it's good. You, you got to get your practice in while you're young, so that by the time you're the one doing the official good news, everyone's it sounds right. That's why I do it. Do good news, everyone, in front of the mirror for 20 minutes every morning. And that's good. That's good practice. I agree. You're gonna give me a good news, everyone, right now. Good news, everyone. Whoa, okay, you blew that out a little bit. Good news, everyone. Oh, that was, no, that, that was, was terrible. Good. That was bad, give yeah. It, we'll give it one more try. Good news, everyone. Okay, that one that one was pretty good. And it didn't blow out the, the microphone in front of me. Which I appreciate. <laughs> um, They ask what they were doing to the professor in this little drawer Sure. Like morgue drawer that he was in. And he says he was hooked up to a virtual world. And it, it was very reminiscent of retirement in Florida with a lot of old people. All day long, they'd play bingo, eat oatmeal, and wait for their children to call. And Leela's just like, oh, God, that sounds awful. He's like, it truly was. And then uh, he says to Cubert, no matter what you decide to do with your life, I'm still proud of you. And then Cubert says... I want to be just like you. And then the professor ends it on the note of, uh, uh, you will be. Also, um, coincidentally, you might want to read up on a condition known as wandering bladder. <laughs> Why? You'll <No>. see. <laughs> um, so good. Yeah, and then that just kind of fades to credits there, which means it is, of course, time for... Great. I really like this episode. Cubert, uh, obviously, right now, not my favorite character, but I, th- I don't think he's intended to be a... I mean, he's intended to be a 12-year-old boy that came out of a clone tube. Like, it's it, it's understandable. It's going to give you some issues. It's going to give you some issues, and I think he, he works through it, at least in this episode, and continues on later. I'm not to spoil anything for everybody that has not watched the, the entirety of Futurama as of yet. But I think this episode is possibly one of the one of the better ones um in the entire run i i very much enjoy it there's a lot of good gags um i uh, the fact that all, all the characters are really nailed down to who they are and you have you know you have again some of that you know returned world building of going back to mars university and things like that and also seeing something new with the near death star and the kind of weird star wars old people mix 
I I really enjoy this episode. It's it's got so many good gags that we've already laughed about. So I'm going to go ahead and give it an A minus. Okay. I do think that's a pretty respectable grade. Um, and I, I actually agree with a lot of the things that you said. It does have a lot of good jokes. We get the introduction of Qbert. Um, we do get a lot of good moments from everybody. Zoidberg's making good good jokes. Bad jokes, then he's good making jokes. bad jokes too. But there are <laughs> there are things to laugh at that Zoidberg does. You get Hermes limboing under the <laughs> oven, which that. is one of the funniest things. It's um, such a great visual gag that I I must implore you if you've not seen this in a while, just go find it. It's very good. And yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Um, I do feel that uh, Futurama does this thing where. When they decide to sort of focus on like a, um, in this case, it's sort of a, an ageism sort of humor, sure. Um, which they're like, oh, the professor's old, and you know, there's always a lot of jokes about the professor being old. But then this episode, I feel, is just a little bit heavy-handed in that a lot of the jokes about old people just gets a little repetitive for me. Okay, where it's just like, oh, hey, the professor's old. Oh, the professor's old. Did you know the professor's old? And so like it. It's not that they're bad jokes individually. It just sort of builds up, and I get a little bit tired of it. But overall, it is still a really good episode. Um, I, I'm just going to knock it down a little bit compared to what you said. I'm going to give it a B. Okay. that's. I think that's perfectly understandable. Um, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's really anything else to say about it i mean it's a it's a solid episode with, yeah, absolutely and we i think we hit most of the really good uh, jokes in it so yep. yeah so uh i think that is gonna do it for us this week okay. so if you would like to get in contact with us you can do so by emailing us at back to the futurama podcast at gmail.com you can tweet at us at back to futurama and you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash back to futurama and as always uh, rate and review on iTunes. It always helps us move up charts and and people will find it and we'll have a good conversation and good community and we'll we'll be able to make dumb Futurama jokes at each other like we always do. It is uh, one of the highlights of my week for sure. Absolutely. And with that, until next time, I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. Goodbye from the world of tomorrow. Tomorrow.